You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 98. And today, ladies, I have a wonderful treat in store for you. We have a great guest on today, and her name is Terry Bryant. And before I um, tell you about her bio, I just want to let you know that I, how I met Terry, well, I didn't meet her in person, but I met her online because, hey, you can meet anybody online today. Well, most anybody anyways. And I heard her talk on another podcast, and I just so fell in love with her story and with the mission behind her company that I had to have her on our show. So I reached out to her, you know, blindly, and she was so gracious to say yes, that she would come on the podcast today. So let me just introduce you to Terry Bryant. Um, over the span of her career, she has had the privilege to live both of her loves, one as a working artist, working on set with models and celebrities, and also as an educator, teaching makeup artistry for brands like Dior, Stella, and leading education departments for Smashbox and Josie Marin. She often says that it was exciting to see her art come to life in a photo or walking down the runway, but her true love was how she taught people about makeup, and it's always been her greatest joy. While my makeup artistry always came easy for her, she could see just how challenging it was for so many of her clients and friends. Simply learning the steps to apply makeup doesn't always translate into applying it with confidence. She was often asked how she could truly relate to the average makeup user when she herself has the skills of a professional makeup artist, and she'll talk about that in today's episode. But it was a major life change that led to the epiphany that there must be an easier and better way for everyone to apply makeup. So a few years ago, she started to ask the question why she was struggling with certain makeup techniques. And she found out that she had Parkinson's. And so the, her whole world shifted because in that moment, you know, she needed to figure out how she was going to be able to continue applying makeup for herself because it was a really great extension of who she was and how she expressed herself in the world. And then she wanted to take that one step further and talk to the women all around her that she had been hearing were having the same struggles. So um, I just, I, I, I can't wait. I'm excited for you to hear her story. I love it. I hope you'll fall in love with not only Terry um, and her story, but I hope you will fall in love and want to seek out um, her brand new brand called Guide Beauty. Um, you can find it at guidebeauty.com. It's um, a line of mascara, a line of eyebrow um, gel set, and she also has a beautiful um, eyeliner that goes along with the kit. So it's an eyeliner, there's mascara, and there's a brush kit. How awesome. And I've been loving using the product and trying it, and just the ease of use is great because I have a little bit of arthritis in my fingers. So whether you have you know, a condition that makes your fingers a little less movable or you don't, I know that you're going to love these products. So with no further ado, let's dive on into the episode and hear from Terry Bryant. Welcome to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Broad. I'm a certified women's health and adult nurse practitioner, daughter, wife, mother, and now new proud Nana. And I'm on a global mission to disrupt the women's health education space by showing women how to be their healthiest self by teaching them how to be their number one self-care advocate. I believe that true transformation only happens when we come together as a collective group of women who are like-minded, who are curious and want to learn about our health as it pertains to us being women. So how do we do that? We do it one healthy conversation at a time. So let's dive in. Terry, welcome to the show. And um, we are excited to have you here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. So I'll be honest, you know, I, like I said, I emailed you because I heard you talk on Allie Brown's um, podcast because I listen to her podcast all the time. And your story was just, I, it was just really, really inspiring and just touched my heart. And I'm like, 
I have to reach out and see if we can get you on our podcast to kind of talk about this because we, you know, all, most of our listeners are all women basically. So this is a great topic. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. She was, she was, Allie was a lot of fun. It was really, she was like a joy to talk to. I've never met her before, but we started talking and she just all of a sudden felt like I was talking to an old friend and uh, yeah, she's really lovely. Yeah. So is it hot where you are? Uh, you know, it, it has been extreme, extremely hot, but all of a sudden I got the whole cold brush and now I think it just sort of, the temperature just dropped, so I'm thrilled. Oh, yeah. yeah, I wish it was like here. I think today it's like 109. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, not that, only, that, yeah. And not only is it hot, it's been, it's been humid for the past, like it seems like the last two weeks. It's crazy on top of the heat. So, yeah. A lot. A yeah. lot. So anyways, so... I am excited because you are all things beauty and, you know, women just love makeup and they love to talk about beauty. So I really, um, I want to start with your story because you started off as a makeup artist and you um, work with a lot of great companies. You work with a lot of, you know, celebrities. I know you can't name names or anything, but tell us, you know, like go back to your background and how it all started for you. Sure. I mean, I, I started playing with makeup when I was very young. Um, I used to go with my mom to the makeup counter when I was a little girl. At the time, you know, all the big brands would launch four collections a year. It's a totally, you know, now there's a new makeup product every two seconds, right? But back in the day, you had to patiently wait for four times a year when the new collection would come out. And I would go with my mother to the counter and uh, watch her sort of transform probably more in spirit than anything else. I mean, the makeup was always beautiful, but I watched her sort of just, you know, the makeup artist was celebrating her. She was taking a moment to care for herself. And we would always leave the department store and I saw her walk a little taller. And I thought, that's really beautiful. I, I want to be part of that. And I used to play makeup all the time. I went to school for elementary and special education, but I was working behind a uh, cosmetics counter at the time and went to my first training, left it and thought, that's what I want to do. So I immediately drove home to my, to my mom and said, what are we going to do? This is what I want to do with my career. I hope I haven't wasted all this time in, in education. And she was sort of waiting for me to sort of, you know, it to connect that this actually was education. It was yeah. just a shift in who I was educating. Um, and so I moved to New York, uh, started working as a makeup artist and just told anybody and everybody who would listen that I wanted to get into artistry and education, which meant I wanted to write the programs that helped teach other makeup artists and consumers how to, you know, have the skills they needed to apply makeup with ease and confidence. So I talked to anybody and everybody, eventually Christian Dior gave me my first chance. And so I'm sort of, then was able to do both my laws. I was able to continue on as a makeup artist and I started to get into the education field. Yeah, I know. Um, that's and how you talked about it. When you were talking on, you were saying like how makeup, you know, enhanced, like it brought out different aspects of you and gave you that self-confidence. And I think that that's so important because I think sometimes we, as women, we get lost and we think that makeup is supposed to like cover up things or hide yeah. things and we get taught that. So, you know, your approach has been really different. So tell me like how, when you were starting off with makeup, how did it change your life? Yeah. I mean, you know, I always talk about, and, and, you know, I've had a really positive experience with makeup. Um, I've had a positive experience in the industry. My closest friends have come from this industry um, and just a supportive group of just like powerhouse great women. And so when I hear stories of, uh, that are not as, as uh, sort of lifting, it, you know, it makes me a little sad because my experience, I was fortunate, it was so good. But it started for me because as a child, I was a bit insecure. I was an awkward kid. I was socially awkward. I wanted to be a bunch of other things that uh, different than what I was. I wanted to be thinner, I wanted to have blonde hair, I wanted, like there's all these things I wanted to be, but mostly I was just awkward. And I spent a lot of time uh, on the, sitting on the floor with all piles of makeup and just playing. Uh, and it was just, you know, makeup artistry like any other art, it's a, it's a form of art, right? You can paint a picture, it's just what's your canvas. So my face was my canvas and it's just an easy canvas because it doesn't take up a lot of space and you can, build and wash and build and wash all you want. Um, and I would do that over and over again. And at some point there was this realization that when I would create something and I would be done and I would look at it and I'd think, oh, I really love the way that winged eye looks. Or I really love the way that I've chiseled those cheeks. Something connected for me where I realized if I like that, I have to also like and appreciate the canvas that it was built upon. 
because that's my face is the canvas. And so I started to learn to appreciate my individual features and eventually learn to appreciate the whole because of my experience playing with makeup. And when you connect and attach and have such a strong positive experience, it's hard not to want to share it, which is why I immediately was like, I gotta, I gotta share this with other people. So um, that was kind of the, the initial instinctive. I knew I wanted to get into makeup artistry. It was also pretty clear to me that for some reason, I mean, I'm not gifted in every form of artistry. If you give me watercolors, it's going to be a, yeah. <laughs> going to be a disaster. Uh, I have a, uh, oh God, what was his name? Um, oh, remember Happy Little Trees? Oh, I wish I could, Bob Ross. I had a bad yeah. Bob Ross name. Not good with that on you. That's not, that's not my cup of tea. I tried thinking Happy Little Trees, they weren't happy. But makeup artistry, for some reason, came easily to me. And when I started to do makeup on other people, I always heard the same thing over and over again. I wish I could do this at home. I could never do this. Uh, you know, can I take you home with me? And I started to recognize, all right, well, wait a minute. This, this thing that seems easy and, and sort of very intuitive and natural, it's all very natural. Like I would look at your face and think, I know how, how I want to celebrate you know, your features. I know what I want to do. And then you would sit in my chair and my arm and my hand were just this very direct extension of my mind's eye. And so when I realized other people didn't have that experience, I thought, well, I'm, this is something I'm fortunate to be good at. I'll teach you. And so I, I went at it. I started to teach people. And then the next realization came, which is it's one thing to learn the steps to do something. And it's something entirely different to execute them. So I could I'd write all the steps out. I would teach. And then people still would go home. And it didn't mean they were necessarily confident doing those same steps for themselves. So I, you know, I was on a mission at that point. I was very devoted in my career that I was gonna find a way to teach people how to do makeup and enjoy makeup the same way I had. I think my challenge along the way was I was working with the existing tools in play. I was working with existing, you know, the existing methods and techniques and formulas. Um, and I didn't even for a moment think maybe there was something there that needed a change. I just kept pushing forward with, I'll just keep showing you what I know. But what I know wasn't easy and intuitive enough for everybody. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I, I can totally relate to that because you go and you have your makeup professionally done and it looks yeah. one way. And then you come home and you try to do it, not even maybe a minor way, like how they did it. And it never works out. And then you just get frustrated and you right. end up going back to the other way. And I don't think even like, you know, if you go to, and I'm not putting any place down like Ulta or any of those other places, but when they're doing your makeup, they're not really teaching you or showing you how to enhance your own features. And like you said, each one of us has different features and right. to bring that out and say, oh, well, you know, your eyes are this way and you know, you need to do it like if you want to bring them out because we all have different shapes and different sizes and how yeah. makeup is different on each one of us is different. It is different and it's hard, especially when you're in that environment because sometimes it takes playing with your own features and your own face a little bit to figure out what's going to work best for you, right? And even as a makeup artist, if, you know, with my, my clientele, uh, you know, the first time I, I would work with you might take me a little longer. We were exploring together. Once we sort of figured out what worked best, then, you know, then you're cooking. And then every time, you know, we, we do something again, I know your favorite colors. I know what features we want to enhance. I know what techniques are, are the best to use. And so you get moving, but there takes some play and some exploration. And I think probably the sad or the hard part is sometimes I think um, we've built up somewhere along the way in the cosmetics industry, this feeling that if you don't get it right on the first go, there's something wrong with the user. <laughs> and, then we, and then we give up. And then we sort of tap out before we even get a chance to, to you know, experience what we could possibly do. And the other part that's sad to me about that is part of the fun of makeup should be the application. There's, it can be really a joyful experience um, if you take that pressure off. If you say, it's okay, it's just, you know, there's a reason I didn't do hair. You cut your hair the wrong way. <laughs> you are, you're waiting a minute for it to grow back. But, you know, with makeup, it's like, no, nah, that one didn't do it for me. I'm just gonna wash that off. Let's play again until we find what we like. Um, and so I think that play uh, is part of the joy, and I, that's something I always think that, uh, it, it, again, it's hard to do in a retail environment, but if you find the right makeup artist, they will sit with you, and they will they will do that, and, uh, and I think you can find the ones who love sharing that knowledge. Yeah, I think, I think when you say play, 
that really brings a whole new aspect in it because we're not we don't think of makeup as playing i mean i never i never have you know what i mean and you try to figure out what works for you and you tend to stay with the same thing all the time yeah. or you end up you know you buy makeup and you probably heard this and you've probably done it too all of us have is like you, you have a drawer full of makeup that you bought that yeah. is going to look good on you and number one you don't it doesn't look good on you number two you try using it and it doesn't work so you end up just keeping it and you throw it out and out of all that you end up sticking with just maybe a few basics and i think that that's where i mean like me i get stuck and sometimes i get bored with just the same yeah. stuff all the time but i don't you know know because nobody's really like showing me like okay like I'm, my one friend, she does painting like you were talking about. So recently I've, I've been getting into, my husband bought me some watercolors and oh. I'm not, I'm not gift, you know, my, my talent doesn't lie. I, I mean, I'm creative, but not like that. And yeah. so I'm just, I'm saying this year, I've got to learn how to be a little bit more creative. So I'm taking like the watercolors and it doesn't come easy because, you know, I don't think of myself like that. And when you don't yeah. think of yourself, even like with makeup, that I can really do it really well you just start to do, you start to settle with, okay, this is what it's going to look like. This is the best it's going to get. You know, it's a really good point, Michelle, because I feel like thinking about it, probably part of the reason I was willing to play and explore is because I started playing and exploring when I was a child. Yeah. And when you're a kid, that's what you, I never for one thought, I didn't get, you know, you don't care if it's, if you draw aside the lines, right? You just keep playing. But I think about things that I'm introduced to now, like my Bob Ross painting party, when I couldn't paint my happy little trees, I gave up. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't do this. But probably if I had the same outlook that I had as a child, I would play until I figured it out. Um, I think we lose it across, some, some, somehow we lose that a little bit along the way, uh, which is actually something I, I never really thought about until uh, you just said what you said. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, you know, because I, I pick up watercolors. My grandmother was a brilliant artist and she, you gave her any medium and she would create. I mean, it was, it's unbelievable what she could do and what she was really gifted with watercolors. And I remember one time trying to paint with her thinking, and everybody would say, well, you're a makeup artist, you can do it. And nope. And I, and I never picked them up again. Um, and which again, would not have been my, my outlook as a, as a little girl. I would have, I would have kept playing. Yeah, we all, we all get stuck, but I mean, and I'm sure that you've heard this plenty of times, people probably say to you, well, you know, Terry, you're a, you know, you're a makeup artist. It's easy for you, yeah. um, but it's not, you know, I'm not a makeup artist. And we tend to, I, I, we tend to subdivide ourselves into all these different categories and like, yeah. you're the makeup artist. So of course you can do it, but I can't do it. And then you kind of get that into your head. And I'm sure that people have said that all the time. And, you know, and, and what you're talking about is re-educating people. So I, I think that that's great. You know, I think that we need that in makeup, especially yeah. today. Yeah, and it's funny. It's, and, and there was obviously somewhere along the way, there's truth to that. Somebody could sit and say, well, you're the makeup artist. Of course, you can do it. And I, and I remember hearing it time and time again. And I remember saying time and time again, I promise you, I can show you, I can show you, I can show you. I, you know, but there was some truth to what they were saying, because until I had my own disconnect in my ability, I couldn't really put myself in you know, my client or whoever was in my, in my chair, I couldn't put myself in the shoes. I couldn't experience the disconnect they were having, why they really couldn't feel that same ease in execution that I felt. It, it did take not being, you know, I, I did have, I had to build upon the skill set, but there was some innate natural ability that I had that I built upon. So, um, you know, when I all of a sudden started having a disconnect of my own, that's when I realized that I had to sort of rethink and reshape what makeup artistry was going to look like for me. Yeah. So tell me, okay. So I, I know, I know about your disconnect yeah. because I read your story and listened to it and, and have gone, you know, and research and thing, but um, tell us a little bit about, you know, when you started noticing the disconnect because, and, you know, and how it evolved over time and then how it moved into what it is today. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I was moving along nicely in my life and my career and I was, working as a makeup artist and I was working in artistry and education. I was building programs and I was doing everything I love to do. And about 10 years ago, I started to notice just this like slight disconnect in my ability. I'd be on set and certain techniques that would just sort of be no brainers. Uh, the makeup look that I could sort of knock out in a couple minutes was taking me much longer or that it just, again, that sort of that ability that to see something and have, you know, I always define, my arm and my hand is the tool, this yes. direct extension, there was a disconnect. And so what I saw, it just wasn't happening as easily. 
and it was it was mild um, initially, and it was building, but I ignored it for a long time, uh, probably because I didn't really want to see what was there, um, and also because along the way I was asking people and I was asking medical professionals, something seems wrong. I'm getting stiffness in my arm. My fingers weren't moving independently of, of each other so well. Um, and most of the time the answer was something along the lines of, you're getting older. Um, you should probably work out. Or, do you have enough vitamins? What, what do you eat? Do you drink enough water? And I was like, all right, I guess that's fair enough. I probably, probably don't. Um, and so, and, and also because I was doing education, I watched myself start to pivot my career a little bit as I started to feel that little disconnect um, because I couldn't move as quickly. So I could still, initially I could still do your makeup, but I was much slower to get it where I knew it needed to be. Um, so if you called me to do a photo shoot with one model, I was in. But if you called me to do Fashion Week, I no longer suggest because I knew it was fast paced and I'd have to do you know, model after model after model moving very quickly. I, I just knew I couldn't do it um, because something was just a little off. But I was still taking jobs. It wasn't, I, I hadn't lost the ability completely. And then as time progressed, eventually about you know, five years later, that disconnect in my own ability to do makeup started to affect the ability to do my own makeup. And at that point I was like, all right, well, clearly something's not right. And this is no, I can't, I can't believe that this is just because I don't work, work out enough, right? Um, and so ultimately I ended up seeing a neurologist who diagnosed me with Parkinson's. And that was, that was the answer. That was that disconnect. That is why this tool wasn't executing what you know what I was uh, envisioning as easily and as intuitively as it always had and so you know obviously not the news you hope to hear but in some aspect it was a bit of a relief you know 10 if you add it up it's 10 years later and now I realize oh this is a real thing something's happening and now that I know what it is you know let me mourn for a minute that I just lost something and now let me celebrate that I'm going to figure out how to get it back. And so that's sort of the, the early beginnings of, of where Guy Beauties and the brand that you know, we now launched came from, was sort of out of that initial disconnect of my own. Um, because I was in that doctor's office and I got that diagnosis and I realized, oh wow, this is you know, likely to progress, right? Parkinson's is, you know, it is, there's a progression. I don't know what it's going to look like. I already know there's some disconnect, but I'm still able to do makeup. But you know, out of all the thoughts that went through my head when I found out that I had Parkinson's, one of the big ones was, if this is to progress, how am I gonna do my makeup? This is something that matters to me deeply on so many levels, right? Like, it's not just my livelihood. This is my creative outlet. This is my, my greatest friendships, the way I connect with people. I mean, when somebody's in your chair, it's a very intimate moment where you're sort of, you're, 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 you know, you're face to face and you're celebrating somebody. and so. I've built all these beautiful relationships and it just, it meant too much to let go of. So I ran home and one of the first things I did was I started to try to figure out how I could rethink, make up the tools, the formulas, the techniques so that I could hold on and, and, and give myself back something that I had really lost. Um, and so I started to create for myself somewhere along the way. I, as I was creating, I hit something and I remember thinking, this is good. Boy, I wish I had had this all those years. All these clients who said, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I could have given them this. They could have done it. And then the light bulb moment happened, which is, did something really beautiful just come out of, out of this moment, out of this, you know, not great news. Did I just, you know, spent my career wanting to help people learn how to do makeup, not being able to solve for a challenge that I couldn't feel for. And now, I'm in this very unique position where I know the mechanics of good artistry. I know what it means to be a professional makeup artist, but now I know what it feels like to have that little disconnect where I can't achieve what I'd like to. And so I could sort of feel where traditional tools and formulas were failing us. And if I started to create from sort of the middle, that white space in the middle to create guide beauty. And so that was the beginning of it anyways. I, I certainly didn't do it alone because we ended up finding human factors engineers and ergonomic specialists and really having an amazing time going to town to really rethink what makeup could be. 
Yeah, but you, you know, what was great was that you didn't, number one, you didn't give up on yourself. You realized that you had, you know, that this makeup was something more for you. And it is for a lot of people. And um, you found a different way, which is really good because like I said, a lot of times most of us lay people, we just say, oh, this doesn't work for us. You know, I, and like, again, I have countless brushes and tools and my makeup thing and I've tried this. And, you know, like, as you see my eyeliner now, I, I, I know I've tried like the chewing a wing. It, it never worked for me. Certain things just, I never, it didn't feel comfortable and it just looked awful. So I just said, okay, I'm never, I'm one of those people that just can never have that look. So you kind of just give up on, on doing certain yeah. things. And you know, you don't, I, I like, I, I guess what I love about what your, your message is, is about teaching people and saying that it's okay. You know, if you're not totally skilled and if you need to learn a few things and cause we're all in that same boat and we all have different handicaps, not handicaps, but you know, challenges, like I should yeah. say that we need to get over. And even if you don't have a challenge, I was, I mean, when I was listening to you describe the, the products and things, I was like, Oh heck man, I, I could, I could use that. I because <laughs> I, I, you know, you're sitting there and you're struggling to put it on and you know, and you're holding and you know, and you, you're trying all these different things and it's just, it's just not working. So you, you finally go, okay, I'm not the only fish in the sea who can't do yeah. it. And, you know, and the truth is, even, you know, when we talk about things like eyeliner and, and creating a wing eyeliner, even as a makeup artist, makeup artists don't, you know, say, oh, I'll, I'll just throw that on and be done in two seconds. Certain things take a certain level of precision and time. And so, you know, I, I think when we started designing for Guide Beauty, realizing that I had this disconnect and realizing that, you know, I don't, none of us are alone in, the, in, in this concept that some, some techniques are more challenging than others. We start to approach makeup through universal design. And universal design, I think, is brilliant because it's this concept that if you factor in the needs of the whole, if you, and that means factoring in the needs of those who have greater challenges. So when we started creating, we brought in users of all levels and skill sets and abilities and needs, right? So we had the novice makeup users. We had the, you know, the intermediate, we had makeup artists pros, we had people who had certain physical limitations like Parkinson's, MX, um, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, so sort of watching all makeup users or people who wanted to use makeup, watch them use existing tools and formulas and watch to see where they hit roadblocks. Because if you can, and that's like, those are the, the, the great moments because if you can find the roadblocks then you can start redesigning to create new tools and techniques so that the tool itself becomes that extension that, that, you know, that, that makes up for what this can no longer do because most of us don't have that, that level of precision. A lot of makeup is, um, you know, even especially eyeliner, we're asking people to do sort of you know, like surgeon level skills there, right? Like I want you to take this very, you know, fine pointed tip and I want you to come really close to the eye and draw a super tight line. I mean, that's a that's an ask, right? Yeah. And so, if we could find a way to make it more comfortable, to make it more intuitive, that the tool becomes that extension for your hand, so that you can more easily achieve those looks and techniques. Because it is again, it's one thing to create something that's nice and comfortable to hold, but we're trying to achieve something here. And I think universal design, really across the board, I think is just a brilliant approach to doing it because it it thinks of and it includes everybody right like it's let's let's make sure we think of the greatest need so that we can create a better process for the whole i mean you can see like nike is a great example of people who look at inclusive and, and universal design there's, there's several companies that do it and what you end up is or, or oxo i don't know if you have any oxo in your kitchen yes i do yeah so oxo to me is like the perfect example of universal design because when i mention oxo most people have their kitchen tools in their in their in their kitchen. I do, um, but I didn't know until years later the story behind the brand, which is it was created by a husband for his wife who had rheumatoid arthritis. She was trying to make a I think it was a, a pie, and she was um, she was using some tool to uh, well, what do you call it? peel peel yes, some yeah. food. And at the time, the, the standard equipment in the kitchen were these sort of harsh hard metal tools that we would hold. And she was struggling and he thought, let me create a better way. And he did it through universal design. He did it so well that something that helped somebody with rheumatoid arthritis became something that we all buy without even knowing the backstory because it's an easier way, because it's a better way. 
And I think that's why universal design is such a brilliant approach. And I think that that's it's why, you know, my hope is that companies will start doing it in the makeup world because I hope that that also encourages what we talk about, which is if you're less afraid to pick up the tool and pick up the product and, and, you're, and you're excited to play, then you can get that joyful experience that, you know, I, I hope and wish for people to have. Because again, it was just such a, a powerful one for me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, behind, like if you can go to a company too and use the product and also at the same time get permission, like what, you know, that this is joyful and that it's okay, you feel a lot different about using different products, you know, and, and I know I do, and I always love putting my money behind good things where, you know, their innovative designs are being coming to the forefront because for myself, I have arthritis in my hands and, okay. and especially in my thumbs. And I'm a grandma now, so I can honestly tell you that if I had a, having my granddaughter with all of the new stuff that they have for kids, everything is like the car seats, the baby, the thing that they sleep in, everything is like you've got to press all these things and to get them to work. And I like, I struggle and I'm like, I tell my daughter, you put her in the car seat because I, you know, mom has a hard time like even doing this. So I'm like, they're not even thinking, That's what, right. if this, what if this mom happens to have rheumatoid arthritis and she can't get her baby out of the, out of the car seat. And uh, my husband even had, you know, you try to, you're trying to put up these things and everything is pushed button plastic and it's incredible. And they just don't think about, you know, everybody and try to include in that they think, Oh, cause you're young, you never have these problems, but that's not true. It's not true. And, and it, you know, the other part of that is it's amazing to me. First of all, most of us, not, Few of us will go through life and not have either ultimately, you know, if you're not born with some 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 level of, of physical limitation, you know, as we get older, something will come up. But we also have phases throughout our life, whether it's because you have surgery, where you're temporarily, or a new mom may experience what it feels like to try to walk around her house and do her daily routine with only one hand because she's holding a baby. Like when you break, when you think about the needs of the greater needs of somebody, you end up making a better. Uh, process for the whole, but also we're in such like the, the the woke nation we're in right now, where people are are creating and realizing that we need to be inclusive in in our thought process. We need to be inclusive, uh, you know, of, of race and ethnicity. So inclusive is is there's a bigger picture involved. So you know, there's no obviously there's no one perfect anything for everybody. But the more we can consider, the more we factor to create one way, I think the better we all are because you can create something that's accessible, but accessible could be different, right? It's kind of like the concept of, I'm gonna create an accessible uh, entrance into my home that's, uh, so that if you're in a wheelchair, you can enter into my home. But what would be better is if I, why don't I just widen the front door? so that whether you're walking in or you're wheeling in through the wheelchair, you can use the same entrance, right? And you know what, for the person who's not in the wheelchair, on the days that I'm moving something in another house that's a little bit bigger, I'm gonna appreciate that I have that door. I, you know, the idea is that, again, you can, you can get, if you can get a better product, I mean, there's something to be said for just doing the right thing and caring and considering uh, other people, but if you can actually end up making a better product for everybody in the process, then, well, now, now where's the argument, right? Like then Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, not to put men down because we all have men in our lives, but I think that, you know, women, because we do so many things and we're in so many different facets that we tend to come up with more of the products that more of us need and, and use. And I think that now we're really starting to see you know, differences and starting to appreciate everybody across all facets. You know, sometimes, you know, they just don't think, because I think that a lot of the products that come to the market, especially in skincare, um, from, you know, just when I look at it from a medical perspective and even looking at it for myself, it's just that everything has to be broad spectrum and it has to be able to be used by everybody. You know, it's yeah. not um, a specific thing because then they feel like, oh, if we make it specific, then we're, you know, we're, we're closing off our market. So everything has to be able to be used by everybody. And it's like, but if it's like you said, if it's a good product, that is the same product, but you're yeah. making it more accessible that, that everybody can use this now, it's still the same product. You're just right. making it so that no matter who you are, what challenges you have, you can still use that product. 
So a lot of people, I, I think we need to be more forefront in our thinking, which I don't think quite honestly that we're quite there yet or making strides because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I see it, in, I see it in the medical world too. We're trying, we're trying to make strides and make things better, but it's like so much of the time, you know, you're taught, you have to be the cookie cutter approach if you want to make it. And that just doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And I mean, it's a process, right? I mean, even, you know, Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And so it's exposure and, it, and, and it's, you know, starting to open up our eyes and, and realize there's other people with other needs and other, uh, and, and uh, yeah, that awareness I think is growing. Um, and there's also probably a shift in the language that we use too, right? That will make a difference. Cause you're right. I think when we talk about words like accessible, people automatically think, oh, I'm narrowing, I'm narrowing my, my you know, but we're talking about universal. Um, and so, and I just think that's just a lovely, lovely approach, so. So how did you, so you started thinking about Guide Beauty, how long did it take to kind of come to conception and using and looking at your whole team and coming up with the design and, you know, you want it to be, you know, not only beautiful, but you want it to be functional and to do what it needs to do. How, how did you come up with all of that? So I think because I had started, you know, because I've been a makeup artist and had been in artistry and education teaching for so many years, and then I had this disconnect where I started to, you know, not have this very natural ability that my hand wasn't operating. There was some sort of, I started to sort of intuitively recognize what was happening. And so I started to create my own prototypes. Um, and I probably did that for a good six months. And then realized I, I'd gotten pretty far, but realized I was only going to get so far with that. Uh, and we ended up going to a design team that specializes in human factors engineering and ergonomics. And that was a sort of a brilliant process um, and uh, an interesting one. Because when we started with them, you know, that I was talking to the head of our design team. She said, you know, normally when clients come to them, they're coming to them with one of two things. They're either coming to them to say, we want you to use the principles of, an, uh, of, human, of universal design and human factors engineering to create something for somebody with a specific need so that it's a more comfortable hold, let's say like the OXO. Or we want you to design something on the flip side for somebody like a surgeon, like medical equipment. I want you to do something that is for really precision level skills. And we were kind of saying, we want you to do both. I want you to create, I want you to create this, these, these makeup tools that are gonna be really comfortable to hold. They're, they need to be non-strained. We don't want it to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to risk injury. Um, we want the hand relaxed during application because that's half the battle. And then we want to achieve what is a, a high level of precision, like drawing a tight line across the eye or a wing or getting into the water line. And so you had to marry those two. And then on top of that, we said, Oh, and by the way, it is, it is beauty, and part of the joy is picking up this gorgeous, you know, piece of, you know, I, I always think of, of makeup kind of like jewelry. Like, it, it has to be a joyful experience. It has to be beautiful. So when we started with them, there were certain things when we were, you know, we took two and a half years with them. We had over 200 testers. We had um, well over 100. Just the guide wand, which we use for our eyeliner, just that alone was well over 100 iterations. Tweaking, tweaking, tweaking as we were working with our testers, and then the formulas to match. I mean, the liner that goes with it had over 39 formulas because there was just these constant little, little, little iterative, iterative moments to try to get it to get it right. Um, so it it took some time, but some of the early, you know, approaches were, you know, for example, we had a, a very large, um, almost like a, uh, for lack of a better word, almost like an egg shape. And it was really comfortable to hold, but it was not beautiful. And nobody was going to want to put it on their vanity, and nobody was going to want to throw it into their makeup bag. And so it didn't work. Like it had to be, it had to be all of it because if we were going to do this, I, you know, the, the beauty part of the industry, the joyful experience of picking up something gorgeous off your vanity and putting it on—that's part of the joy. And so you shouldn't have to give that up. When you're just when you're trying to create an easier way, so those things didn't have to be mutually exclusive. They were worked better together. So there was a lot of elements that went into it, and then we had to create formulas that worked with these tools. But we also knew we wanted the formulas to be vegan and clean and cruelty free. And so there's you know there's extra work that goes into that. So it was you know all in all from my start, and then working with our team of uh, 
designers. It was a good three years to get where we are today. Yeah, it was, oh, it was a moment. Worth it, but it was a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, 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 that we all need to take that in heart and hear that, that it's a process and don't give up on your passion and you know, yes. find people that work with you. And like you went there, I'm sure that they were probably thinking she wants us to do both those things, you know, <laughs> looking at you like, okay, we're, you know, but it's also good for them because now they know on their end that they can do both. They can marry both of those things. Cause sometimes you don't know that you can do something if you actually are challenged yes. to do it. And I learned from them too, because part of that process I will say is, um, and, and something I learned is uh, they took, you know, nothing was ever wrong. Nothing was ever uh, a disappointment. Nothing was ever a failure. Every step of this iterative process when we were creating around universal design and working with users was just an opportunity. Every time something didn't work, you'd watch the designers get excited. It didn't work. We have an opportunity to make it better. And I started to sort of reframe my own thinking, which is everything is an opportunity. Like every, every moment is an opportunity to make it better. Um, and so, you know, let's create something as brilliant and beautiful and, and make sure it, it, it meets the needs and then leave ourselves open to continue that process, which I think is also important when we're talking about universal design and making sure we're thinking of the whole, because along the way, we might find out that there are people we missed. And yeah. they might have other needs that they have, and maybe we and we could start thinking of those as we continue to to the next round, or the next round, or the next round. So uh, I just, I think it was a nice approach because I think so very often in makeup it's formula component together works for the makeup artist, for the consumer, and and don't get me wrong, I am I'm, you know, a makeup junkie, and I think there I haven't met a makeup uh, item I haven't liked yet, so so they're all beautiful, but. Um, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's room to grow. There's room to create a, a better, different way. And I think our industry in particular hasn't met it in the way that some others have. Yeah, well, that's like, that's every industry has to start somewhere. You know, when you yeah. happen to be setting, at, you're setting the, the standard, well, not the standard, but you're starting to set a new precedence of a different way of approaching things. And I, and I think I wholeheartedly believe that other people are going to take notice and start to kind of shape and look at those at those things too. So I think that you're a pioneer, which is a great oh, thing. And um, and I think that any pioneer is a good thing when people start to realize, oh, look what she's doing. She's looking at it differently, and it's really working. Because I think a lot of people want to try new things, but they yeah. are afraid because they think, oh, it's not going to be accepted out there, and it's not going to work. So they hold back, and then someone yeah. else does it, and then they're kind of like, oh, yeah. I, I can be different because we're so used to, like, like I said, you know, in every industry being put into a box and saying, this is the only way that it can be done. Not just, it's not just in makeup, it's in, it's in every industry. And yeah. I think that, you know, um, like you said, you have to look at the individual and you have to look at the different people and kind of like figure out every, each and every one of us is unique and different things are going to work with different people. So I'm like, I'm excited. Um, so I know that you've got the two products, you've got the eyeliner. Yep. for the wing and then you have the eyebrow to do the eyebrows so what are you are you guys concentrating on those two things and just really wanting to move those to market or are you looking at adding other things down down the road yeah so well we started with our so the guide wand which you can use for almost any eyeliner technique so if you want a tight line or classic line or a wing liner and then the um the guideline which is a very unique pressed formula that works really well with the, lot, the guide wand, and then we have our brow moment, which is has this really lovely little ring on it, so that your hands free to have a really nice fluid motion when you apply. Yeah. Uh, but also, when your hand is, there's a few things we did with. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably not answering the question right, but um, you know, so again, hold it. So part of the tools that we did, um, you know, when you have softer holds, if you think about traditional tools that you have to kind of hold with a tight grip. Yep. The moment you tighten your grip you lose a certain amount of fluidity and freedom in motion. So just initially by freeing up your hand, you're gonna gain more control uh, and you're gonna leave yourself access points to steady. Um, and so even just like, like that moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we created built-in points of, so of stabilizing so that when I apply my liner, this is soft and flexible tip. Instead of coming in free-handed and touching, the first time I touch my face, 
is with the pencil or the liquid or the cream. Now I can, with the soft flexible, and I have a little window here, I can get my cream liner on there. I can ground first and then I can tilt, find my footing and then start to apply. See? So yeah. there's, there's certain points. So we did the brow like that. So again, like I, my left hand, I'm, I'm left-handed and that is depending on what time of the day. It's, it's that, you know, it happens to be my makeup hand and also the side that Parkinson's presented in first. So um, I tend to need to steady and ground as most of us do when they're applying. If you watch yourself do makeup or anybody do makeup, we're always looking for ways to um, steady and ground our hand for application. We almost try to, you know, create a better way by ourselves. So whether it's just like that or using my, my hand like that, I can then get into the brow. Same with the mascara. Really nice because it's a tubing formula, so it doesn't move. So I can, you know, get those moments where I can sort of steady my hand and get right in there with the brush. Um, so we started with those three around the eyes because, you know, one because over the years these were the products that you know thousands of, of, of my clients had had shared were their challenges, and you know I, we recognize in the industry that those things tend to be the most challenging, but also. Brow, liner, and mascara are products that create definition. And so I, I kind of tend to break up makeup, like my own personal perspective on makeup, and everybody has their own, is I kind of look at it in two points. I think you can either transform or you can enhance. And transform is what we talked about earlier, kind of like that play, make-believe, uh, you know, um, special effects, Halloween, I'm gonna erase the face and rebuild, and it's fun, right? But on a day-to-day, enhances kind of my love because that's the moment where you say let me let me look at your features and let me figure out how I want to celebrate and draw them out right and so the best way to do that is with products that create definition so liner by creating lines just tight lines around the eye enhances the shape of the eye and draws attention to the eye brows do the same mascara does the same so I wanted to focus on you know the products that create definition because when you create definition, you can get more impact by using less product um, because they are so impactful, but they tend to be the harder things to apply. So let's make those easier first. Uh, so that's where we started, but I certainly want to complete the range, right? Like I want to make sure that by the time we're done with Guy Beauty, you can create the whole thing. So, uh, you know, things like eyeshadows and getting into the canvas products, so your foundations and your concealers and your blushes and your lipsticks. So, um, you know, I love, the good news is I love creating and playing and with what's going on in the world, I have a lot of time at home. At home so we are in the guide lab creating uh, and playing with, with a lot. And uh, so we'll certainly look at extensions in this range alone because we're getting a lot of questions about new eyeliner colors, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of room for playing, a lot of room to keep building. And now that we have a community, they're also helping us because they're sharing what they'd like to see next. And so, um, you know, that's what you want to encourage with universal design, right? Like the more people share with you, the only, you know, the better you're going to end up in, in, in the outcome because you can, yeah. you know, consider all those factors, right? Yeah, well, definitely. Well, today, you know, you're wearing a mask, so really the eyes, you're only seeing eyes. So like at my job, I don't even bother putting on, I put on lipstick today because I'm home, all right? Because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I like lipstick actually, and I actually like, um, you know, blush. But I've been really just trying to play up my eyes at work because that's all you ever see. Because we have to wear not only a mask, but then we have to wear a shield over it. And I am sweating. I'm sweating all day. So I'm, I'm hoping that at least people can see my eyes. That they're. Right. You know, I try to make them look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is kind of the way that we're now expressing ourselves. And the, the eyes really are expressive, right? It's. Uh, it, it's. Uh, they're always moving. You can tell even when your face is covered. You can tell when somebody's smiling you know, when your mouth is covered just based on the eyes. So I think there's a lot of fun to be having playing them up. And I think that's obviously where people are, are focusing on now because we're spending so much time with masks. So uh, yeah, the eyes, the eyes definitely have it. Yeah. I hope with the mask thing, I hope it ends soon or then later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we all, we all wear them for a while. Maybe we can quickly, <laughs> more quickly. I do. Yeah. I will. It's a, uh, my, my dad actually is, uh, is, is in the hospital now. We've been in and out, but I see everybody with the with the shields on and uh, and, the, and two very often two or three masks over it. And you know, and that's full full days. So yes, uh, all day. So that's so, why I stay. I try to stay home when I'm not working because I have to wear the full getup. 
Yeah. And it's like, I, I feel like I, I, it's so, it's just so weird. You walk into a patient's room and you know, you feel like you're, you know, all this stuff on and they're, and they're over there and it's like, okay, well, I should, I feel like I'm in a space suit half the time and it's very, <laughs> and it's very impersonable, but yeah. you know, Hey, you, you do what you have to do for the time. You're being safe. Yeah. You're being safe. Do they, do they do? I've seen uh, some really fun things that people have done, which is like masks that uh, actually have the person's face or they wear, IDs where they where it's a much bigger picture on their on their uniform so you can see because it's it does make sense that it's probably you know you're in a hospital it's probably very scary and you want to sort of connect with another human being and when you're completely closed off um, but the flip side of that is you're keeping people safe so yeah I hear you too so with that said just where can everybody where can they find you and where yep. can they not only find you on, if you're on social but where can they get the products at and go all there. Uh, you can find us, we're on our website at guidebeauty, guidebeauty.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Guide Beauty Cosmetics. Um, and yeah, you can find our eyeliner, our mascara, and our brow all, all, uh, all there. All right. And then you can also reach out to us at any point. We, our, our customer service is here for you at guidebeauty.com. Part of uh, the concept of Guide Beauty is not only do the products help guide you to an easier, better application, but we are also here to help guide you in the process. So um, don't ever hesitate to reach out. We are we are always here if we can if we can help uh, make the process easier, more fun. So uh, those well, those I are the best we just. Yeah, well, I look forward to it, and I because I was there and I was like watching some of the stuff. So it, it looks interesting. So I look forward to those products and and then whatever else you have. But definitely, we will be helping you spread the word because this is oh, a thank you. I, that, you know, I think the world needs, and I, I'm especially passionate about, you know, women creating great things for women out there in the world. It just, it just, I think we all need to stick together. And I yeah. think this, and I think this is a product that, you know, everybody could use. And so we just need to get you out there so that people, more people know about you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I hope that you have a very blessed rest of your day. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Okay, thank you. The information, including but not limited to, text, graphics, images, and other material contained on the main Well Woman Network website, in Well Woman Network blog post, on the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle podcast, and any other Well Woman Network health educational resources are for educational purposes only. The purpose of Well Woman Network's educational resources is to promote broad consumer understanding and knowledge of various women's health topics. It is not intended to, to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard or read on any of our platforms.